what goes up must come down. Welcome to the Brand Breakdown. I'm Michelle. And I'm Courtney. And this is where we're going to track the rise and fall of big brands, from companies to celebs to pop culture phenoms and everything in between. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Brand Breakdown. We're super excited today to do episode two of Kate Middleton. Uh, Today, we're talking about Kate Middleton's The Kate Effect, uh, which really began way before she was engaged or even married to William. Um, And it's a big piece of her brand because everything that she touches basically turns to gold. And sometimes that's for good and sometimes it's not. So uh, I'm going to hand it over now to our royal aficionado, Courtney, and she's going to tell us a little bit about The Kate Effect. All right. So... This portion of the brand of Kate, I kind of want to talk through the Kate effect as it pertains to Kate, but also kind of the larger, like, economic impact of the royal family on the UK economy, which isn't something that we've touched on yet. And it's something that I think when you're talking about the royals and you're talking about the brand of the royals and, you know, how a monarchy has persisted for as long as it has in this modern day. It's kind of a really important piece. So we're going to talk about the Kate effect in general, but also we're going to specifically talk about things like how Kate has impacted the press industry, um, the engagement of William and Catherine, and getting into the brands that kind of have benefited since they've been engaged. So we'll talk about the fun stuff and a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff and hopefully it'll be good. Um, So the very first thing I want to talk about, and I feel like this is something that not a lot of people realize is especially with all of the Sussex drama that's been happening. There's always a lot of talk about like how expensive the monarchy is and how much it costs the taxpayer. So Harry and Meghan, keep going off about wanting security and that would be taxpayer funded security. And the Royal family does cost the UK taxpayers. I'm looking at an article from brand finance. Um, the estimated recurring cost for the 2023, 2024 fiscal year of the UK Royal family is 370 million pounds. So that's like a lot of money, right? That's, that's not like chump change. However, with a population of about 67 million people in the UK, that's like five pounds per person. It it doesn't cost people a lot of money. You know, like it's not like a huge chunk of tax money is going to the royal family. The other thing that happens with the royal family is a lot of the income that the royal family generates as like crown estate properties, you know, all of the visitors who go through Buckingham Palace in the summer and Windsor Castle um, in the spring and all of that, that money gets turned, it's crown estate money. So theoretically, technically it is money that is owned or like it belongs to the monarch, but it goes back to the government. And then the government takes a percentage of that money and gives it to the UK royal family so that they can run their offices and all of that. So The royal family is generating income that then it is then providing directly to the treasury. But the other thing that the royal family does, and I think it's really key to think about in terms of, you know, when we're looking at Kate Middleton and her engagement to Prince William and her wedding to Prince William, is the UK royal family creates ridiculous tourism dollars, 
like in a wedding year or a funeral year or a coronation year, the amount of tourism money that is brought in or even in a year where like a royal baby is born and there's just like a lot of press coverage, um, the amount of tourism dollars that's brought in is ridiculous. And so the estimate from brand finance is that there was a, from in the 2023-2024 financial year, there was an estimate of nearly a billion pounds brought into the treasury because of royal family, like tourism dollars and all of that, the economic benefit of having the royal family. So the royal family does a lot, just generally, like the brand of the royal family generates huge income um, and isn't actually at the end of the day that much of an expense to the UK taxpayers. Now we are not UK taxpayers, so maybe we don't get a vote, but I feel like five dollars per or five pounds per person for a return of a billion dollars is pretty pretty good. I don't know. I'm yeah. not much of a math person, but I feel like that's a good ROI. Uh, <laughs> how many how many citizens are in the UK? About sixty seven million. So so they have to pay five pounds per person to maintain the royal family? About that. And that's in an expensive year, too. So one of the things that this is considering, these figures consider, is that we did just have a funeral, a coronation, Prince Philip's funeral took place. So those are events that don't happen every year necessarily. But when they do, they incur a large expenditure for security costs and all of that. So so what you're telling me is that it's five pounds per person to maintain the royal family, which is 335 million pounds per year. So if they're bringing in a billion, that's still 700 million pound excess, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the rough, so the rough figures is actually, it's like 370 million pounds per year. And there's the UK population is like 67.33 million. Um, so it's like five pounds and 15 pence or whatever they use over there um <laughs> but yeah so you should benefit know like, that <laughs> i'm so bad at math um but yeah like a net benefit of like 700 million dollars like it feels it feels like a worthwhile investment to have the royal family again not a uk citizen i don't get a vote i'm just a happy bystander but if but that our, money goes directly back into the coffers, right? It goes back exactly. to... Exactly. Yep. It goes so right it, back to the treasury. Well, so not necessarily, right? Some of that money goes right back to the treasury. Like crown estate money goes right back to the treasury. But some of that money that they're estimating in these reports are things that go directly into the economy. So during the coronation, how many people booked hotel rooms, booked flights, were going to restaurants, were purchasing right. things at stores for their like coronation parties and that type of thing. So it's including that money as well that is directly impacting the UK economy, whether it's going right into the treasury or impacting businesses directly. So either way, a win, I think. Um, and honestly, probably more of a win in those huge event years when, you know, the Airbnbs are getting all rented out and the pubs are all full and all of that when like the small businesses are feeling this direct impact. I know so many people who went to the coronation and they booked Airbnbs. You know what I mean? Like it was, yeah. they, they weren't, I mean, people were obviously staying at big hotel chains, but they were also staying at like small businesses and they were going to the local restaurants and all of that. So um, the economy across the countries. So 
basically, all that is to say that the royal family, as a brand, brings in a ton of money to the UK economy. And likewise, certain individual members of the royal family bring in a ton of money to the UK economy and on a larger scale to the like larger global fashion economy. Um, and the primary example of that is Kate. Although I will say that Megan also has had, she had a huge impact on like fashion sales as well. And she still does. Um, and Sophie Edinburgh, Sophie the Duchess of Edinburgh does as well. And to a lesser extent, the York princesses, um, Pippa Middleton also has a pretty big impact on the fashion economy to a lesser um, to a lesser extent than her sister and some of the other royals just because she's not as public of a figure but Kate since her engagement and a little bit before as she was becoming like a bit more prominent in the tabloid press she has the ability to sell out a brand in minutes it is absolutely ridiculous um and it has been dubbed the Kate effect by the, pretty much the global press. Um, and it's something that royals kind of have been doing for a while. Like, I'm sure I was young when Princess Diana died. And I don't really remember much of, like, the tabloid frenzy around her while she was alive. But I do know that she was kind of one of the biggest tabloid stars of the day and i'm sure she also had a huge impact on the fashion world in terms of huge. wearing something and buying it out yeah um did you ever i feel like everyone bought that lamb sweater the black sheep sweater did you have that you feel like someone who would have had that no <clears throat> i had something better oh i had the <laughs> i had the princess diana haircut in oh. the seventh grade <laughs> oh okay <laughs> yeah so I was in Europe and um, it was like 1982 or 83 or something like that. And I loved Princess Diana with all my heart. And so I went with my mom. I was I was pretty young. I was like 10 or 11. I went with my mom to um, get a haircut. And I told them I wanted the Princess Diana haircut. And I came home looking like not Princess Diana. <laughs> so... That was good times. Um, that was like probably the worst haircut I ever had. Um, I would say, yeah, I would say other than my flock of seagulls haircut in ninth grade, that was probably the worst. Flock of seagulls. Um, good times. Oh, you yeah, were really I was like, like shaved. The trendy, the trendy haircuts, weren't you? <laughs> I was. I was like, uh, it was like uh, short on one side, long on the other. You, you won't remember that, but that was a really, really big thing in the 80s. Um, so I had that haircut too. Yeah, that was good times. I don't know how I ever got any dates. I mean, they must have just overlooked my hair and been like, oh my god, whatever. <laughs> They're like, well, it'll Wait grow. Wait for it out. to grow out. <laughs> it'll grow it'll grow. And then once I grew my hair out when I was probably like a sophomore junior in high school, it's only been short twice or three times since then. That was a long time ago. I just cut Princess my hair short. Diana haircut did me in. Um, well, not really short. You just—I mean, it was already really, really long. So yeah. you just took a couple inches off. I cut. I took five inches off. Um, yeah, it did look it like a lot feels, of the Now it feels really short, even though like it's not. Like I think by some people's standards, they'd be like, "Oh, your hair's still very long." But to me, it's like, "Where did all my hair go?" But I was just so sick of it. I just needed it off my head. Um, but I digress. Clap. Okay. <laughs> um, 
So um, we're talking about the Kate effect, and uh, I understand all of that. But prior to the Kate effect, when she was um, not married or engaged to William, uh, I think they were just dating. I think she was at that time, that was the way to Katie kind of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a bunch of intrusion on um, the phone hacking. Have we talked about the phone hacking? Um, so we've talked about the phone hacking as it relates to Prince Harry's ongoing phone hacking lawsuits but you're right essentially during this time during like the weighty katie period and a little bit before weighty katie where um when william was still at sandhurst um the press was super interested in kate because she she was the girlfriend of the a future king she people didn't really know much about her she was this like pretty girl she was kind of out and about with her also equally beautiful sister. She came from a middle-class family and people were kind of enraptured by the whole idea of, is this very normal girl potentially going to become the future queen? And the longer William and Catherine dated, the more intense the speculation got. However, when they broke up briefly, um, they broke up for about two months at one point. It was like literally from like April to June, they broke up. And that increased the speculation even more because people were now, the press was now like, okay, now here's William and Kate. There's rumors that they've broken up. It was never really confirmed that they were broken up, but it was rumored and we didn't see them together as much. And we saw Kate out a lot by herself or with her sister or her girlfriends. Um, And it was like, all right, who's William dating now? Is there somebody else? What's Kate doing? Who's she going to date next? Are they going to get back together? And so the press intrusion ramped up even more. And later it was found out that it was actually found out because I think it was something like William had been, he got an injury and he left a voicemail for Kate talking about his injury. And then it was published in the press. And there was no way that anybody could have possibly known what happened unless they had heard that voicemail. And that's when they realized, they being the royal family, realized that their phones were being hacked. So was he at Sandhurst? Was that the where he went into the military? So he'd already graduated from St. Andrews? Yes, he graduated from St. Andrews and he was at Sandhurst Military Academy. So he was doing his military training. And obviously, William was very confident that Kate had not leaked the information. And they started going back through different tabloid reports and news reports and realizing there was information out there that couldn't have really been released otherwise because it was just, it was stuff that had only really been relayed over the phone. So um, this big inquiry was opened and this is part of the thing where Harry has now like still kind of been fighting this legal battle because it was found that during this time, Catherine's phone was hacked, uh, I believe it was 149 times. So she was the primary target of the phone hacking because they were trying to get information on her and William's relationship, but they were also able to get some information about other members of the royal family as well. Because while William was at Sandhurst, he wasn't you know, it was a military academy. So he didn't have like free time to do whatever he wanted. And so he would leave Kate these voicemails and she would leave him some voicemails that were 
kind of like a detailed summary of the day. You know, it wasn't just like, hey, it's me, call me back. It was like, hey, it's me. Um, like, it's this time of the day and this is what's been going on. And, you know, I won't be able to talk to you until tomorrow at this time. So he would, it was, it was more than just the standard, like, Hey, it's me. Give me a call type of voicemails. There was a lot of information in them. And so Catherine's phone was hacked 149 times, which is insane. And then we look at what Prince Harry has done with his legal battle and his home phone was hacked 33 times and he's brought this into like a public forum. Um, William settled the phone hacking case out of court because had they taken everything to trial and had they tried to get like a public settlement or whatever, he would they would have had to make everything public. Like all the contents of those phone calls would have been had to have been public because they would have been part of like, you know, the public information. And so William settled out of court and it said that he received, I believe it was all settled after him and Catherine were already married. So together they received like a joint sum of over a million pounds and they donated that money to charity. Harry, as we all know, just has wrapped up a portion of his phone hacking lawsuit and he won half of his charges that he had brought. There were 33 charges. I think he won 15 of them, but he made every single – basically, they had to make every single call public. You know, He had to say, like, you got this information from a voicemail. And it's like, well, now you're confirming that rumored story. And William and Kate didn't want to do that. So theirs was private. Harry's was public. It was kind of ridiculous. But it just goes to show how intense the scrutiny around Kate was because, again – her phone as just the girlfriend of Prince William was hacked 149 times. And Prince Harry's phone, who was actually a member of the royal family, was hacked 33 times. So, and I believe Kate's phone was was actually hacked much more than William's phone. I think William's phone was hacked like 50-something times, um, which is not okay. And I'm not trying to say, like, it was worse for Kate than the others because hers was more like it was more quantitatively, but like it still should have never happened. And it wasn't okay for it to happen even one time to anybody. Um, but the media attention around her at this time was just ridiculous. And then we have the press packs following her to and from work just to see if she's got a ring on her finger and, you know, shouting questions at her and asking her, um, about her relationship with William. And she had no recourse at this time because she was not a member of the royal family. She wasn't engaged to William. She was just a girlfriend. And so all she could do is just like put her head down and grin and bear it, basically. William issued a couple of statements to the press when things started impacting Kate or her family in a dangerous way or when it started impacting people who actually had nothing to do with their relationship. For example, um, when they would like camp outside her, the paparazzi would like camp outside her work and it became like hazardous for her coworkers. You know, they would try to issue a statement to be like, can you please leave these people who have nothing to do with any of this alone? Um, and can you please try to like respect the privacy of the Middleton family and all of that? But for the most part, Kate had to deal with all of this for like eight years her phone being hacked, the paparazzi following her, the press writing rumors about her and giving her stupid nicknames. Um, and she just had to like grin and bear it. However, 
with all of this attention came the kind of rise of the Kate effect, where because she was in the press so much and because she was getting so much attention, people started paying a lot of attention to what she was wearing. And people started looking at her clothes and being like, oh, I like that's a cute pair of jeans. I want those jeans. That's a nice sweater. Let me go buy that sweater. Um, and the tabloids started reporting the brand that she was wearing and where she got something. And they would, you know, they started doing their own affiliate linking. So they would be like, oh, here's Kate's sweater. You can get it at this store for this much money. And then the tabloids would get the commission on the sale. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. No way. Yeah. They still do that. Um, that's, oh, that's dirty. Yeah. And, um, they, or they'd be like, you know, here's like, here's five sweaters that are just like the one Kate wore yesterday. Um, and then people would buy them and the tabloid I would. I feel like I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. They do it a lot. There's actually a whole, um, there's like a ton of different blogs and social media accounts that have cropped up strictly dedicated to Catherine and also Megan's fashion. There's um, what Kate wore and there's also, so there's one called, I it's one of my favorite ones, UFO No More. So when one of the royals wears something that isn't identified, you know, they wear like a pair of earrings that there isn't a press release about, or they wear a dress when they're just out in public as opposed to on an official engagement. So there's no official statement on who it's from or who made it. Um, there are whole blogs just dedicated to finding their clothes and identifying who the designer is so that then they can post the content, get the affiliate link, and people you know, follow these accounts and, and I've done it. There's, there are absolutely things that I bought that I bought them because Kate had them. And I was like, that's so cute. And I went and bought the exact same thing. Um, there's a pair of Sabago boat shoes that she wore <laughs> when they, she went on her tour of, um, Canada and the United States right after the wedding. There's a couple pairs of jeans I've bought. There's a bag I bought a purse. Um, and there's like a pair of wedges and I also bought this pair of like watermelon colored skinny jeans because she did an engagement once where she was wearing these pink skinny jeans and she looked so cute. And so then I bought two different pairs of pink skinny jeans trying desperately to find like the perfect ones for me and I just can't pull it off because my legs aren't long enough and I just look ridiculous. Um, but yeah. I doubt that. But you are tiny compared to Kate. Yeah, she's so she's just so t like we're built different. So like me wearing pink jeans just like isn't a cute look. I just can't pull it off. I'm not the right shape. Um, and I just look a little silly. So, but I've definitely fallen. I bet that's not true. I'm sure you look adorable. I'll try to find a picture so I can prove it to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I, I love two of the designers that she really loves, Jenny Packham and Alexander McQueen, but I could never, ever wear their clothes because they're, they're, they seem to be made for people that are like Kate, built like Kate. Um, and I don't think I could ever. I mean, I don't think one thigh would fit in any of her clothes, um, but I think they're so cute. I love both those designers. So I always go and look, but I've never bought anything based on it because I know it wouldn't look the same on me as it does on her, which is fine because, you know, I look good in other things. Maybe she doesn't look good in baggy sweatshirts. Um, no, she does, actually, though. Actually, she probably looks she probably she does sweatshirts. yeah she well, looks great anyway <laughs> i do love both of those designers and i bet that when she we'll get to it later but i bet her wedding dress was like one of the most copied wedding dresses of the century oh for sure because her wedding dress was ridiculously beautiful yeah um, i i think anyway 
everything that Kate does kind of spurs, and okay, not everything that Kate does, but a lot of what Kate does kind of like spurs a trend, you know? Um, She tends to be right at the top of fashion trends, either kind of like kicking them off or like an early adopter. But it's very interesting because she doesn't necessarily dress in a very trendy way, right? Like she doesn't really do... To some extent, she doesn't really do fast fashion. She tends to go for looks that are more classic and timeless, but she does take a modern approach to what she's wearing, if that kind of makes sense. So she's not out there wearing like the latest like, you know, crop top and low rise jeans that are making a comeback from the early aughts, which I wish they weren't because no, I just refuse to go back to that. Um, Oh, really? I far prefer them to the mom the mom jeans. I don't like anything do? tied around my belly. Oh, my God. I Yeah, I can't stand the mom jeans. Oh, I love them. no, dude. I wore Zima in the 80s. Like, no, thank you. Ugh, I love um, the high rise. Like, the, not the high rise. I wear, like, mid rise. And, oh, my God, I love it. I, I low rise jeans, like, I just spent too many years trying to, like, gracefully sit down while also pulling up the back of my pants so that I wasn't, like, showing everyone my bum. <laughs> Like I spent yeah. too many years doing I, it and I'm not going back to it now. <laughs> I um I never had really a problem with that when I was in really good shape. Well, so I'm taller than you are. I'm well, I used to be five eight, shrinking by the day. Now <laughs> I'm like five seven. But um uh I I loved the low rise jeans. I think they were so much more comfortable because I just didn't like anything sitting on my belly in any way. That's and I love Spanx for what they do for you, but I do not like the way they feel around your middle. <laughs> Yeah, I never wear Spanx. Um, I'm just so... Oh, man. I think she's so brilliant. I'd love to do the Spanx brand at some point. I think she's so brilliant. Yeah. Um, For sure, for sure. I think that's on our list. Yeah, I think it is too. Um, Anyway, one thing I wanted to mention about specifically about the Kate effect is I was looking through... um, I read an article a couple days ago about when she broke up with William and what she did during the breakup and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And her, um, her style changed so much between yeah. college, early adulthood breakup. And then after breakup, there seemed to be a major shift in her style from when they broke up to when they got back together, after they got back together, her style shifted in my opinion, to be much more conservative Um, Once they were back together that, you know, after the breakup. Yeah. So I think that during the breakup period, we saw Kate out and about a lot and she was having her like fun girl phase. And she was, she was at that point, again, I think I said this in the first episode, but if there was ever a time where Carol Middleton was playing matchmaker, it was during the breakup because she reportedly has said to Kate, like, listen, if you want him back, go out there and show him what he's missing. Don't sit home and mope and feel sorry for yourself because, you know, that's not going to work. You have the press who are interested in you. Show him what he's missing. Remind him that you are a, like, fun, beautiful, smart girl and go take advantage of the press attention you're going to get when you go out. And so she did. And so during the breakup, we saw Kate out in sparkly short dresses living her best life. Um, Then reportedly when they got back together it was with the understanding that like okay this is a forever thing we are back together and we are getting married and they weren't engaged obviously at that point it was kind of like a pre-engagement situation um 
But I think at that point, that's when she started to take, you know, there was like almost a shift in their relationship from like girlfriend to pre-fiance or whatever. And so she started to take her wardrobe from girlfriend to like pre-royal, if that makes sense. She was kind of easing into that like, okay, here's what's coming for me and I'm still going to have this press attention on me. I'm not trying to go out there and be the fun girl and show anybody what I'm missing anymore. I'm trying to get them to take me seriously because the next step for me is that I'm going to be a member of the royal family. And so now I need to be, you know how they say like dress for the job you want type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's kind of what that shift was. And it seemed a little bit more pronounced because it directly followed her show him what he's missing phase, you know, where she was going out there in like sparkly dresses and like short dresses and stuff like that. Um, but she's always been a relatively conservative dresser. She's never really been somebody who is, like I said, like she's not out there in a crop top and any of that. She's always been a pretty like, like a, what do they call them? So in like the United States we have preps and then in the UK they have like their Sloan Rangers. Like she's always been like kind of a, Sloney type of girl um and I think that it just seemed a little the shift seemed even more pronounced because it directly followed fun girl Kate phase <laughs> she said that's the best thing that she ever could have done or had happened to her or mm-hmm. whatever because she was able to kind of identify what did she want who was she how did that fit in you know in multiple ways and um felt like she really gained a lot of independence in that. Uh, you know, I've, I know a lot of people who break up and get back together and then get married and then are very successful because they had that breakup to kind of identify what it was they wanted. Um, and she seems to be one of those people, you know? Yeah. They both said that in their engagement interview and Kate specifically said it was actually one of the longest like periods of time that she spoke during the engagement interview. Um, and she specifically said like at the time it wasn't fun But now looking back on it, it was the best thing that could have happened because it made us both sure that this is definitely what we wanted. And, you know, they dated for eight years before they got engaged. And a lot of that has been rumored to be because William wanted to make sure that he was making the right choice, obviously, for himself, but also that the person that he was marrying, like, fully understood what they were getting into because he did not want to have a situation like his parents had where – Somebody is thrown into this role and it's all too much and they're not actually compatible. And then with the added public pressure, it's just makes a relationship that much harder to work through. And so William had always said he wanted to make sure that she knew what she was getting into and that she had the opportunity to back out if she decided this is all too much. I don't want this. And, you know if we take it back to the Sussexes and compare the length of their relationship and the length of William and Catherine's relationship and then how their relationships have played out in the press and in conjunction with their royal life, it does seem that a longer period of time where people can fully, or as much as possible, adjust to that royal adjacent life before being thrown into the royal life does seem to have a bit of a benefit to it um because 
being the girlfriend for like a year, year and a half, and then becoming a duchess and a working royal was probably a lot of culture shock for Meghan. You know, she didn't have the time to adjust to the ins and outs and kind of learn how everything works behind the scenes in the same way that Kate had been able to see for nearly a decade by the time she got engaged, in my opinion. I feel like there were some things that were glossed over in Megan's case. Like Harry was hand-waving. Oh, you'll learn about this. It'll be fine. Oh, you'll learn about this. It'll be fine. Yeah. Because um, they only dated five minutes and they were in that, you know, hugely infatuated in love right honeymoon phase when all that was going on before they got married and then they got married and the honeymoon was over pretty abruptly um so i think that they you are 100 percent correct that neither one of them was prepared for the onslaught of things that came right um and i i do you know place that responsibility squarely on harry's shoulders because he he should have he should have immersed her for a lot longer than he did before they decided they were just going to get out unless their plan the whole time which of course we don't know was to to never engage which maybe it was maybe that was their plan they just were never going to be working royals um i don't know yeah i think that i, don't really know. I think that in harry and megan's case i 100% agree i think that it was Harry's responsibility to make sure Megan knew what she was getting into and make sure she knew what the situation was and what the rules of the game were. And I think he just did a lot of like, it'll be fine. We'll make it work. Don't worry. My grandmother loves me and she'll change her, like she'll change it for us type of thing. And I also think that there's a possibility, and I don't know this to be true. And perhaps Megan has alluded to it a couple times, but we've also heard contradictory information as well but there is the possibility that because kate was marrying the future king and that meant that kate upon her marriage would essentially be a future queen she may have been provided with more resources than megan was in terms of preparation um although on the face of it it kind of seems like meg uh kate was just more of a team player and kate just had a longer adjustment period and so Kate is the type of person where, you know, she is willing to never complain, never explain and just put her head down and deal with the drama and deal with the bad things that come with the good. Whereas Megan seems like she wanted to control the narrative a bit more. And whether that's because Kate had more hands on prep or Kate had more just experience with it behind the scenes because they had a longer relationship or because Kate's British and she's used to this type of thing. You know, she had gone to boarding schools in the UK and she had been around people who were kind of on the fringes of that aristocratic circle. So she was a little bit more familiar with that lifestyle. And Kate and Megan was coming in it from like an American perspective of like, what is all of this? <laughs> you weird people. Why are you like just letting people tell you what to do and following traditions that don't even make sense anymore. So I don't know, but I definitely think the longer, I mean, when you think about it, William and Catherine dated for longer than Harry and Meghan have even been together at this point in time. You know, like I think Harry and Meghan have been together now for like seven years from the start of their relationship through present day. And 
William and Kate dated for eight years before they even got engaged. <laughs> so like, Kate, imagine if Megan had just been a girlfriend this whole time and learning the ropes this whole time and seeing how everything works probably goes a long way to once you're thrown into it, how you react to the situations. I would think. It's really hard to believe they've been together for seven years. When did they get married? 2018. Did they really? Yeah, I mean, they've been gone for four years. Meg's oh it was. A- you know what? COVID was like a fever dream. I, I feel like four years just like poofed away. Yeah. Like, that's so weird. It might not even I be mean, seven in my years. Head- Hold on. Let me check. In, in my head, it's like three years. I mean, obviously, no, it's more than that, but. That just went so fast. And why are they still having so many problems seven years in? Right? Like you think at some point you'd be like, oh my gosh, we've been fighting this battle for almost a decade now. Let's just let it go. Yeah, it's weird. I hate that for them, honestly, in some ways, because I don't think that they're going to be able to recover, you know, some of the things that they, I think, initially thought. We talk about this all the time. Yeah. Um. I did read an article that said that they were, you know, struggling, which I can totally understand how that would be happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw, it's just the I've past. seen a few of those so. rumors as well, where, yeah. but you know, I mean, it's hard enough to be married, but then to have the whole world in your business all the time would make it exponentially harder. Right. And I think that's part of the, the British royal family never complain, never explain sentiment is because if you start trying to bat down every untrue rumor, then more crop up. And then it's like, oh, is this, you know, I think we've talked before how if they say like this part of the rumor isn't true, does that mean the other part is? And then like more builds and blah, 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 blah. And so the royals just are like, you know what? We're just going to ignore the outside. We can't control what they're going to say and they're going to say something. So let's just focus on what we can internally and deal with things privately because we don't need the added pressure of trying to deal with the outside as well and that's one of the things that Megan and Harry just can't seem to grasp is like you can only control so much um well and I think it that I honestly think that one thing that that constantly trying to buffet back the winds of the paparazzi um, has really impacted them. If they hadn't followed the never explain, et cetera, mm-hmm. I think they would be in a much better place. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. You know, but I think it was too late once they started spilling all the beans and then it was like, Oh wait, it's too late now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause I think that's also negatively, down the cliff. that's also negatively impacted their, their, potential in the u.s because now they've spent so much time rehashing and setting the story straight and blah 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 that they've also essentially told you know power players in hollywood and stuff like hey we're not discreet anything that happens we're gonna talk about it because we're gonna need to make sure that our side is the side that comes out and i think in hollywood that makes people very hesitant to deal with them because celebrities also want their privacy you know they don't want the unnecessary press intrusion and a lot of celebrities don't like having to deal with the paparazzi in the press but they do it because it's part of their job and that's what they signed up for and do they want to associate with people who are going to not be discreet and who like some part of 
their life may end up in a book at some point or on a docu-series at some point. And I think for Hollywood studios, as it relates to Megan in particular, they don't want to run the risk of working with somebody, like signing on to a project with somebody who everybody else is so hesitant to be associated with because they're kind of, they're almost approaching, I don't know this to be true. This is just my thought from the very, very, very outside looking in, but they're almost approaching like pariah status. Oh no. You don't think? too bad. I don't know. I don't know. I still think there are a lot of people that love them. Um, And I hope that that's not true for them because my God, what a terrible place to be. You know, the the people that are pariahs in Hollywood, you think of people like Roman Polanski, you don't think of like Meghan Markle, you know what I mean? Right. Um, Yeah. And I'm not trying to say that like they're pariahs because they've done anything horrific, just in terms of like, you know, if we have to choose between this actress who won't be discreet and who seems to rub some people the wrong way and causes a lot of drama wherever she goes, or this other actress who's going to show up and do a good job and just do what we want her to do, right? Because like when they do, when they do a movie and they do the press and they go on their press tours and they do all their junkets and whatever, the actors are told by the studio what to do, how to do it. This is the party line. If there's like drama behind the scenes, this is what we're going to say. I can't picture Megan at this stage going along with that because we know that she won't do what someone tells her to do for whatever reason. If she just, you know, if it goes against her moral code to lie about stuff or she just feels like the record needs to be set straight or she needs to make sure she always comes out um, looking okay in a situation you know like she's never gonna just shut up and put up basically which sucks nobody ever wants to have to do that but sometimes for your job you have to you know (laughs) yeah i don't know well let's get back to kate we'll we'll come back on that we'll circle back to that another time (laughs) because i think we devote a lot of time to harry and megan and um you know i think at this point i just would like them to go you know yeah. lay low and enjoy their children for a while so that they can not be pariahs because I hate that I hate that that would even come up for them because I always loved little Harry like I always thought he was so sweet and cute and he just is not sweet and cute as much as he used to be right. you know what I mean right um and so I would I would love for them to have a chance we talked about this in the end of the their series I'd love for them to have a chance at redemption so um We'll just have to see how that plays out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in our next couple of episodes, we're going to get into all of the really fun stuff about the brand of Kate Middleton. We're going to specifically talk about um, her engagement to Prince William, all of the kind of pandemonium that erupted from that, and then going into the wedding planning phase and the actual wedding itself. So that should be great and fun. And we